Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet dwellers and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted with Rick Clemens, but you know who I am, so I'll shut up, but no, I won't. I never shut up. You guys know that. And I want you today to just imagine in the land of imagination, Hollywood to be specific, that LGBTQ characters, well, they weren't just brought into roles because, oh, let's do this. Let's put them in this stereotypical box. And then let's create something that's just totally queer, gay, whatever, because that's how you're supposed to do it. And even female roles, women were actually given roles because, well, it's just a good role for them, not based on that they're a mother or a daughter or wife, you know, all all this bullshit that we have going on these days. And um, I guess I'm bringing this forward because it's time for Hollywood to even get on closet. Now, I know there's been a whole lot of talk about this with the Me Too movement and everything, but today, I think we're going to go, well, we're going to go skipping down the yellow brick road in a little bit different way, and we're going to invite someone that I've never met, but I know through Facebook and through a mother-in-law, you know, one of those meddling mother-in-laws who said, you should have my son-in-law on her show, and she does happen to be Jewish, so she almost sounds just like that, quite honestly. Um, but I thought it would be really cool to have this guy on the show because when his mother-in-law introduced us, she goes, I think he'd be really good to talk about the coming outs and stuff in Hollywood and how Hollywood needs to kind of change and all this stuff. And then suddenly I saw this handsome mug and I'm like, well, he's kind of cute. I think I better have him on the show. So, um, (laughs) it's kind of where we went. His name is Jason T. Gaffney. He is a writer, an actor, a producer, and not just a writer, actor, producer. He's actually won some awards. He's got some great shows out there. He's got some books out there. And I'm not going to say much more because you know what? It's all about us going into the Hollywood culture and him helping us break through and see some of the inside stuff from his perspective playing in that world, what could be different. So, um, Jason, welcome to the podcast, man. So glad. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, Rick. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And I'm kind of jealous because before we came on the air, Jason said, Oh, me and the husband, we just got to Palm Springs. I'm like, that's, (laughs) that's really nice. You know, it is nice, except this time of year, it's very hot there still. So I'm not completely jealous, but, um, (laughs) so yeah, I'm so excited to have you here because so Marla is your mother-in-law and her and yeah. I went through coaching school together and then your husband and I have never met so this is what, what this is for the listeners so they're like wow you know the mother-in-law you kind of know the son but you, now you're talking to the husband so it's all yes. so uh, so let's dive in man you have been in kind of the Hollywood business pretty much a good portion My- of your life right I've been I've been in Hollywood specifically for the last six or so years. Okay. Um, I started acting when I was six years old, so I've been doing it pretty much my entire life. Yeah. Um, which is wild when you think about it, because like, uh, you know, I think about like my friends and they're like, I've been doing this job for forever, and I'm like, how long? And they're like, three years, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's not as long as it feels. Um, no, not at all. But uh, but yeah no I've been, I've been I it kind of started because I was doing theater musical theater mm-hmm. 
And then I went to New York. I was like, I'm going to be on Broadway. It's going to be fantastic. Right. And I kept going to auditions and doing really well and making it to the final round of callbacks and getting told uh, that I, my baby face was taking away from the fact that I was six foot one. Mm. And so like, they were like, there's no role for you. You can't play the kid because you're too tall and mm. you can't play any of the, the adults because you look like you're five. Uh, and so then I started shifting into film and fell in love with it. And mm. it's just, it's a super cool medium to tell stories and you can get really up close and personal with the characters, which I just love. Yeah. And, um, and it's been a really kind of interesting experience in particular because there's, there's uh, that kind of niche market of the LGBTQ cinema. Mm-hmm. And I remember falling in love with those movies once I found them at, in my early 20s um, because there was finally representation of who I was in the film. Yep. And that was just like super exciting. And... And I even remember when Brokeback Mountain came out and I was like, oh my God, Hollywood's gotten on board and we're finally getting, you know, like gay leads and how right. cool is that? And I remember being very disappointed that it was, it was a few, quite a few years after that before the next kind of major gay films would start coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got, I just got uh, lucky and saw uh, uh, Love, Simon recently and got to see Alex Strangelove. And it was really interesting watching those, those movies because I noticed a kind of running theme with the mainstream Hollywood movies and even in the LGBTQ kind of circuit, which right. is the story generally revolves around someone coming out. Right. And, and those stories are super important. They're really, really important and needed. Yep. But what I've been noticing from my own personal experience uh, it, and with the younger generations is more and more families are super accepting from the, the get-go mm-hmm. and they're, 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 they can see the signs early on and they're just waiting for the, they foster a healthy environment for their kids and they're waiting for them to come out and, they're, and there's more dialogue happening. And there's a, uh, I've noticed somewhat of a disconnect with some of the, of the younger generations um, who are looking for movies that aren't just about coming out. Like the coming out stories are important and they should continue to be made, but we need a new venue where it's, it's a rom-com that is mainstream kind of Hollywood rom-com, but the leads just happen to be two guys or it happens to be two girls. And it's not about them being gay. It's not about them being lesbians. It's they just are. And that's kind of where I've, I've been jumping in with my production company to kind of try and help fill that void of uh of stories with people who are out and happy and all of that stuff well and it's a <clears throat> it's a very important piece of the equation so when i came out of the closet it was 1999 mm-hmm. and i've been married for 13 years and even today this is one of my frustrations so i'm just gonna it's my show so i can vent all i want on this absolutely <laughs> but, go for it but it's really frustrating to me because I, yes, I want to support the youth and I want to help our youth come out of the closet. But one of the things that frustrates me the most is there's so much emphasis, I believe, on this and not enough emphasis on here's how people who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, here's how they live. Right. They live pretty much normal lives. 
Exactly. I'm sitting here recording this podcast. My husband's upstairs making dinner. Maybe if he still likes me, I don't know. And <laughs> you know, it's like life is just what it is. And what frustrated me when I came out, and that's the reason when when the universe finally waved its magic wand and hit me on my gay fairy head and said, "Okay, this is what you need to do next." was there wasn't a lot of stuff out there for people like me who had come out of the closet late in life. And then, you know, there's a whole different transition that happens and you've got to, got to catch up to your gay youth because you never had that, all that sort of stuff. But the emphasis still kept to being all about people who were just coming out in their teens and stuff. And again, it's so needed. I mean, it's still so needed. But I think sometimes whether it's our own community or Hollywood or authors or whatever, we miss that there's so much in between all of that. There isn't just let's come out and then life goes on because <laughs> it doesn't necessarily. Life goes right. on with a lot of baggage sometimes and a lot of having to get to know how do you live in a normal neighborhood and how do you, you know, present yourself at work and how can you just be who you are with that? You know, there's just all sorts of stuff. And then there's the normal stuff like, yeah, we woke up late this morning. And I was late to a call. My husband was late to some guess what? We're just like other couples who wake up late and suddenly of course. fall in a handbasket, you know? And I think this is what I, so far what I've seen of the stuff you're doing, it is very much, let's portray life. Exactly. Oh, it happens to be that the character is a gay or lesbian or whatever it might be. Instead of, okay, let's wrap this around this whole gay character. And I love Will and Grace, but uh, yeah, <laughs> we all know what that's all about. And I love it, but it's time when- to forward. Yeah, well, and it's, it's the kind of thing where, like, characters from Will and Grace, characters from Modern Family, those characters were very needed Absolutely. when they came out. Uh, I mean, coming out in the sense of, like, the show was created because it helped reach middle America and give a face to the LGBTQ community and show them that we're not scary monsters, you know? And, right. and like, it's extremely important for, like, uh, you know, Ellen DeGeneres and Neil Patrick Harris and recently with Colton Haynes and, mm-hmm. and all of these uh, athletes that have been coming out and everything being visible, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like when um, Harvey Milk was talking about like, come out, if they know that you're gay, they can't vote against you because mm-hmm. it's like put a face to this group. Um, and that, you know, it, it's that same kind of thing where it's like, the, the coming out movies were super necessary when we first were being able to make films and stuff because it shows our struggle sure. in that initial thing. But like you were saying, it's, it's a major point in every LGBTQ person's life is this coming out. And whether it's super chill like mine was where I was in bed and I said to my mom, hey, I think I'm gay. And she was like, awesome, where are your socks? Like I got to do the laundry, right. <laughs> like didn't, didn't even blink. And, you know, and I know that I'm on the super lucky end Sure. or if it's, you know, some of my friends who have had traumatic experiences and it took years for their families to come to terms. Yep. At the end of the day, they still have to get up. They still have to go to work. They still have right. to make dinner. They, all those things. Yep. And, and that's, you know, it, it's been really, it's been frustrating to find, stories and and movies out there where like like i was saying about how it's it's post coming out it's Mm -hmm. just it's seeing them exist it's seeing them be humans and it it, you shouldn't ignore the fact that they're gay but the conflict like i think a lot of writers who write lgbtq content whether it's mainstream or 
indie film, it's a really easy conflict with yep. the coming out because yep. it's, I'm hiding a secret. I don't want people to know. And now I'm mad because I kept a secret. Yep. And, and I actually, that was one of the things I really liked about Love, Simon was that the conflict wasn't necessarily when he came out. It was more that he had lied to his friends and manipulated them to hide his secret because mm-hmm. he was being blackmailed. So that was kind of a cool twist on that mm-hmm. normal coming out story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I encourage, I encourage all the writers out there who are making LGBTQ content, take it a step more. Go, right. go a step further. Um, I want to see Simon in college. <laughs> I want to see yeah. what, what his experience is in finding Mr. Right in college is. I mean, whether it's with, you know, Bram uh, or not, whether right. they continue that. But like, that would be interesting to me to see that story, to see the, mm-hmm. um, you know, that version of life and, and everything. Well, I've always thought it'd be interesting. And I know this, I'm not the only one who's had this thought, but I'll, I'll bring it up to take some of the mainstream movies and go, okay, like the way we were or any of those classics mm-hmm. and go, now let's roll this forward to today's time. And where are they now? As, and let's throw in that it's actually a gay couple. Or oh, that's awesome. A lesbian couple. And we take this whole twist because it's just something interesting to go do and see how it gets reflected in society. You know, I, I remember when I first started talking at school with my children's teachers about being gay, and it was kind of nerve wracking. But then I yeah. thought, why, <laughs> why is this nerve wracking? It's just a part of life. Right. And I realized what I, the best thing I could do is, and I, this is what I did every year. And those who've listened to the podcast have heard me say this before, but I think it's prevalent to what we're discussing today is I would walk in, introduce myself and say, hi, I'm, you know, Riley or Shelby's dad. And, you know, I just wanted you to know that I'm gay and I'm here to support you in any way that you need to, if that comes up in the classroom by any weird way or anything. And also if you have any questions and also to let you know, if that makes you uncomfortable, then we probably need to have that conversation now. I, I will respect where you are and your beliefs and values and everything, but I'm coming to you because here's the thing. Tomorrow morning, after this back to school night, my husband and I will make up and we will make breakfast and we will make sure the girls have their stuff in their backpacks and we will mm-hmm. hurry and scurry around the house and make sure that everybody gets out the door on time and I will drop them off at school and then I will go off to work and drive an hour, you know, because at the time we lived in Riverside and drive an hour into Orange County. And, da, da. and the reason I'm sharing all that with you is we're just like you. Yep. That one thing. And I never once, never once had a teacher give me the like, oh, I can't deal with this. Yeah. So I think it's that normalization, which we hear all the time is make it normal, make it real, make it see, make, help people see the real life of what it is. And I love that this is where you're trying to go in the work that you're doing because it is so, so needed. And of course. So, so um, it's needed in a different way, I think, than it was 10 or 15 years ago. And you know, let's kind of go back to Ellen. What I've noticed yep. with Ellen is it was kind of like that you know, we all know the story. It was the flash in the pan and all that stuff. And then she went through some hard times and then she kept picking herself up and moving it forward and so on and so forth. Yep. And she does such an eloquent way of just being Ellen now. 
and honoring her LGBTQ roots when it makes sense for her. But it isn't like every day on Ellen isn't queer day. It's of course. It's just this is how she is, you know. And she has her wife. She has Portia come out on, you know, on stage every once in a while and surprise her or do something. It's it, this is the stuff that I believe, and I know you get it. So I'm preaching to the choir here. That makes it normal. Yep. And shows people, wow, they are kind of just like us, except for that one thing. Of course. And that's and that's really like seeing that really matters. And it's it's the same kind of thing when whenever I watch a film, if there is if it is a mainstream Hollywood film and they have a gay character, I I feel actually most of the times I've been kind of uh conditioned to tighten up because mm-hmm. I'm waiting for them to start throwing out stereotypes uh, for the, for the character um, and, or to make them, you know, a, a throwaway. Mm-hmm. And, and lately I've been so happy that like more and more gay characters are coming out and just being genuine and not, they're not putting on an act. They're being themselves. It's, it's, it's either the actors are gay and they're just being allowed to be themselves or they, the writers, because a, a new generation of writers are kind of moving into Hollywood they, and they have gay friends, they have LGBTQ friends, they're, they're not ignorant to it. Because I feel like in the past it was, re- you know, Hollywood used to be like the, the good old boys club. It was a bunch mm-hmm. of older, white, straight, cis men. Right. And they, you know, and it's like, and they, generally Hollywood's pretty progressive and liberal, but it's also a business. And when, and when the Hayes production code came into play, uh, you know, in the, in the, I want to say forties and fifties time frame, um, that really messed up Hollywood as far as like what they could do, what they could show the censorship of it, because Mm -hmm. each state had their own different laws about what movies could show. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, decided to make this giant code and right. and it I really messed up Hollywood for a long time because it it forced all these people back in the closet. It forced mm-hmm. you know it forced the the films to be stifled in their creativity. And it's so it's it's I feel like we're reaching a new kind of golden age as far as like acceptance in mm-hmm. Hollywood. And we're we're almost there. We just need to get yeah. pushed a little further because then you've got the fact that there's there's still people out there that believe coming out is the kiss of death in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's like you can until you're famous, don't be gay. Mm-hmm. And once you're famous, then you're allowed to be gay. Right. And I mean, when I moved to LA, I went to a a bar in uh, West Hollywood, and I was having a drink by myself because I didn't know anyone yet. And this guy sat down next to me, and he was an older guy, and he was like nice, a super nice guy. But then. And we were talking about kind of what I do and Hollywood and all that stuff. And I remember him distinctively saying, oh, well, then you have to go back in the closet. And I kind of laughed and was like, there's really no way for me to go back in the closet. My mom's, you know, a New York Times bestselling author. And I publicly outed myself, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, capital O. Um, And and he was like, oh, you're you're just not going to make it then. And I was I remember thinking to myself, like, wow. The, 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 there is still such a generational divide of like the the damage that was done earlier on in Hollywood mm-hmm. still exists to this day with that demographic 
because they haven't seen the younger people coming in who don't accept this. They don't yeah. accept that you can't be yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I'm curious, as you sat there, did you feel yourself start to retract or did you go screw it? I'm, I'm not going to buy into this. Where, where was your head? I, I don't think I retracted in a sense of like, I was like, well, now I need to go back in the closet. It was, if I, if I retracted, it was more like, uh, I I'm done with the conversation with you. Cause I'm trying mm-hmm. to have a, a good night out. And, uh, and I remembered saying to him, you know, honestly, I just, I'm not going to go back in the closet. I'd rather not make it as a movie actor or star or whatever. I'd rather live a happy, healthy life with the man of my dreams mm-hmm. and work, but not necessarily like Brad Pitt level right? and, uh, and be happy than to be someone like Brad Pitt and be miserable because I had to have a sham marriage to put up public appearances. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I've met plenty of people before who they didn't know and then they got married and then they were like, Oh shit, I'm gay. And then they, they come out and all that stuff. But there, there were a lot of marriages in Hollywood, especially back in the, um, you know, late twenties through the thirties and the forties and fifties, which were kind of like studio arranged marriages to keep gay actors who were loved in the public hidden. And it was just kind of like, you've got to be married at all times. And, you know, and sometimes they told the women and sometimes they didn't. And it's kind of like they had these contracts of like, we'll make you a star female actress. If you marry this guy who, you know, who everyone knows is gay, but Mm. the public doesn't. And you have just have to be with him for three years before you have a big divorce. Mm -hmm. And then you can find who you want to be with. Mm. And it's just kind of like that fascinating, like, The producers really jammed everyone into that closet. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so who do you really give kudos to in your life for you being able to just step out, be you? And I know, I know your mom. Yeah, some amazing stuff just recently. That's how this whole this that's how this whole interview started. Was Marla had me watch your mom's acceptance speech at, at the. Um, it was the book, some book awards, right? It was the the Rita Awards yeah. the, at the Romance Writers of America. Yeah, and she, I mean, she just went to town. I was like, "You go, girl." And, yeah, um, and so that would, but it, I would almost guess that she's part of it. But is there somebody else that's really giving you that that space, that energy, that belief in yourself to say, "I'm going to do this"? You know, it's. I can't really say if it's like one person as much as everyone who was in my life. Cause I grew up with a ton of, a ton of people who weren't necessarily blood family, but they were so close to us that they were essentially family. Right. And I would see them all the time and everybody was always very supportive of me with everything. And especially with my coming, I mean, like, we we basically had my own private coming out party when I came out and um, and like, you know, all the friends and family got together and everyone was super happy. And it was just like, cause everyone knew my parents knew when I was three right. and they basically have always, they, you know, they, they've been, they told me to be cautious when it's, I'm in an area I don't know, like don't sure. be foolish. And I, I endorse that for, I mean, I, I wish we lived in a world where I could be, 
and everyone who is LGBTQ could just be themselves without fear of ever being attacked. But they, they, everyone basically was like, you should be yourself. So you should live somewhere where you can be yourself and don't be afraid to find the man of your dreams and, and go after yourself and right. go after your career and everything as yourself. You know, it's interesting because um, past evening, my husband and I were out and we were at a <clears throat> local restaurant here in San Luis Obispo and um, having dinner, but we were really close to the bar in the restaurant and there were two guys at the end of the bar. Okay. And for all, in, you know, you know, the judgments you make, it's like, oh yeah, you know, nice looking guys. One of them had like on a Green Bay Packers, you know, shirt and the other one was just dressed like jeans and like a blue t-shirt or something like that okay and suddenly the more i started watching I'm like okay i think they're actually playing on my team and i'm not talking to green bay packers it's like okay they and then they started the one guy started touching the other guy and they started holding hands and and he kissed him and i thought this is so great now granted we're kind of in a college progressive town but I started thinking this is really cool. And then I started watching to see if anybody else was really noticing this. And a few people I could see like looked and like looked away, didn't think anything, but there was a couple of people that kind of looked and then looked away, not with disgust, but like, I, I'm going to pretend like I don't see this happening. And I thought, yes, it would be so nice if this was just not this way, you know? Right. Because it's, it's time and not just, you know, not because we're talking about the Hollywood stuff, but just time in general for people to really embrace that people are people. And right. this, is, this is just the way life is. And um, I know through the work that you're doing with all your films and everything, um, I know you, you're going to some film festivals, you've been at the Palm Springs Film Festival, you've got uh, your newest movie is The Perfect Wedding. All these things are about bringing this awareness to the world. And, um, when, yeah, you, yeah. when you get these films complete and then now there they are, they're out in circulation and everything. Do you find it moving the barometer a little bit or maybe a great bit when people start to see these? Yeah. Well, when we, we actually, when we did perfect wedding, that was back during the marriage equality fight. Yeah. And, yep. um, and so when we, when we got that, um, distribution for that back in, I think 2012, that was really exciting because it was the it was a movie where again there's there's gay heroes and it's not about them being gay and it's about them helping to set up a uh, impromptu wedding mm-hmm. and I remember being on set for that and New York City had just passed marriage equality and that was back when I lived in New York mm-hmm. and it was New York Pride and I remember being on set for perfect the perfect wedding. And uh, I turned to my co-star, Eric Aragon, and I said, you know, I'm really psyched to be here, but I'm feeling a little blue. Like, I feel like I should be out there with my pride flag celebrating. And, and then I'm kind of like dropping the ball. And he started laughing. He's like, are you kidding? You're waving one of the biggest pride flags you could be waving because you're, you're, you've made a movie all about equality and marriage equality that has mm-hmm. nothing. To, it's not like rubbing it in people's faces, but the message is there. Right. And, and I feel like, you know, that movie came out and it got seen by a ton of people and it, it's, it features three kind of main stories, uh, including the, the one with me and Eric, the, the gay couple. Mm-hmm. And 
it again showed the, the kind of like each one of these couples is just a couple. They're mm-hmm. not, there's nothing special about any of them and all that stuff. And, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, each time I feel like the, the, there is a little bit more acceptance and, you know, for, for the one uh, analysis paralysis, which is going to be at the Palm Springs film festival and at um, reeling in Chicago um, film festival, that, that one was a film where it's, I play a character who is super anxious about life to the point where he has to uh, overthink anything before he makes a choice. So like if the doorbell rings, he imagines who's going to be there and all the different possibilities. Oh, wow. And, and it allows for great comedic stuff to happen because you can kind of go super wacky and then you can bring it back to reality. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun to go through the stages of a, a relationship of dating. So seeing him ask the guy, the hot guy out because he's trying to overcome his, his analysis paralysis sure. and watching them as they go on their first dates, as they decide to sleep together for the first time, as they decide to move in together, meeting the parents, all the things that everybody in this world goes through whether you're straight, gay, bi, whatever, eventually, you know, those general, those are general kind of rites of passage steps in a relationship. And it's not, I mean, obviously it's not the same for everyone. Every family structure is different, but the general rule of thumb is that that's kind of what happens and you see that. And, and there was nothing about it that was like for analysis process that's inherently like, and this is how gay people meet their parents. Mm-hmm. And this is how gay people move in together. It's just, mm-hmm. this is how two people move in together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, and you know, with each film, I'm hoping that more and more people will see it, right? see them and start to see, Oh, it's just two people. It's mm-hmm. not two guys. It's two people. Right. And uh, don't you think too, that sometimes, and again, I love our community, Sometimes I think our own creative talent within the community plays the stereotypical gay card so much that people who are coming out, regardless of their age, they see some of these films and go, okay, this is how you do gay life. And then suddenly they're back in the closet (laughs) trying to live by whatever the gay stereotype is. And it's like, no, you go do gay life the way you do the rest of your life and you just happen to be gay. Right. Like, uh, I called it my glitter phase when you come out and you're suddenly wearing sparkles all the time. Uh-huh. And, uh, and actually that was something I really loved in, uh, in love Simon was mm-hmm. the fact that they had the, they, Simon himself was more like typical American boy yep. in that, like the way that if you're just going to stereotype him, he would be the stereotype of the typical American boy. Right. And they had another gay character who was, more flamboyant and more uh, flamey for lack of a better word. And what I loved is when Simon, uh, well, spoilers for people who haven't seen it yet, but when Simon's outed, um, he, it wasn't like suddenly the two of them were falling in love and it was like, Mm -hmm. and any of that. And and I liked the fact that they showed both of those types of guys as just guys and how they could be Mm -hmm. because like, and, you know, this is funny. Something that always irks me when I hold auditions is I will hold auditions for a role that's gay, right? Yeah. And I will always write in the description, please play the role as, as yourself. Mm-hmm. Please come in as you. 
And like I've I've looked at your like I when I cast when I cast roles and stuff, I go through a vigorous process where I see their headshots, I see their demo reels. Mm-hmm. There, you know, I, I get to a, a feeling for who they are and if they fit this role. I then ask them to do a self tape and then see from there mm-hmm. um, when they come in the room. And it's it it fascinates me how to this day there will be people who come in and then they will they will play gay. Mm. They won't do the role just as themselves. And because I've had people come in and they are naturally more flamboyant and it's just who they are and it feels genuine. It feels great. And I've had people come in and they're super bro-ish and it feels mm-hmm. genuine and it feels great. I hate it when someone who is bro-ish or like a dude suddenly right. queens it up because mm-hmm. they – their idea of gay is you have to be queenie mm-hmm. and there's definitely queenie people out there. And I love them. I have, and I can queen out myself at times, right. but like, it's, it's not. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's, and it's, but it's not a 24 seven thing. No. And mm. you know, it's, and it just, it's the kind of thing where I hope like, if you're listening to this and you're an actor, be yourself. It's, it's mm. more about that than about playing something specific. Well, I've always, felt that, I've always felt that every good actor, the best of the best, but even good, good actors, yeah. even the top of the, you know, the top of the heap, you know, the, you know, Glenn Close's and, you know, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm going blank here because there's so many, I just want to start rattling off, you know, Tom Hanks, all these people. Yeah. To me, okay, they do their character, but there's such a piece of them in it. Of course. That that's what makes it good Meryl Streep is Meryl Streep is Meryl Streep in every role she plays there's some piece of her that shows up just amazingly in every character good bad or indifferent if you like some of the movies she's in but there's a piece of her that's there that she allows to be present and if that wasn't there then she wouldn't I don't think she'd be as successful as she is and I know for me this is something I'm working through, not because I'm acting, but it's something I'm working through as I'm growing this business of just continue being Rick. If I came on this podcast, like, okay, welcome to, you know, that's <laughs> yes. not me. And if I said, okay, we're going to cut to sponsor, which we may at some point, we won't do it in the middle. I promise that's not my intention. Yeah. But, but if I, I'd, I'd say, you know what, I'd really like to introduce you guys to our sponsors because they make this thing happen. They help us be able to reach people. And I really believe in this product. That's Rick. That's of course how I approach this, you know, and where this comes kind of full circle is when I see people in our community who think they have to be something that they're not, I want to go pull them aside and go, do you remember all those years that you thought you had to be something else because you were gay? Yeah. You're still doing it. Yep. Just be you. Because the moment you start really being you is the moment you will find the boyfriend, you will find the friends, you will find the job you love, you will find, I mean, and okay, some of you are going to like send me hate mail after I said that. I know that. I really don't give a shit. You, (laughs) stuff is going to happen because you show up as you. Right. Trust me, I have been struggling with this in the last year because I've been trying to find my footing as a speaker and what I talk about. And I realize I just have to do, I kind of have to do everything just like I do this podcast. Here's where we are. This is what we're talking about. This is the shit that's going down today, folks. And there isn't any sugarcoating any of this crap. 
of course this is what it means to be fully present in you so um so i'm curious you've got lots of work you've done and i'm not going to ask the question like what's your favorite character what's your favorite role <laughs> yeah but what i do want to ask is what's been your favorite feeling of being able to do the work you do um my favorite feeling of being able to do the work that i do easily is when i get an email and it happens every now and then of a person who says i saw your film and because of how because of how you how the film was made and the characters were just themselves it showed me that i can come out and they they've come out to their families mm-hmm. and they and they they talk about how they they're finally themselves. They're, they're, they can breathe again. Like, oh, that's one of the best lines in, in Love, Simon. Mm-hmm. It's like, Simon, you can breathe. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, but it's that kind of thing. And, and even if all I get from these movies is the ability to help make it easier for people to come out, I've won. Mm-hmm. Because it's the, the world's a better place now. Mm-hmm. Because now someone is gen- being who they are and has the capability to live the life that they should be living. And I'm going to take it one step further, that what you're doing not only helps them come out, that literal coming out, mm-hmm. but it actually, if they really dial in, if they really like dial into their coming out experience, to me, the coming out experience is one of the greatest life lessons you can ever have because it sets you up for life to come out over and over again from many different situations. Of course. Only if you pay attention to it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like yes. if it's like, okay, I come out, I did this. Wow. Cool. No, the universe is going to kick in the ass. If you didn't learn the lessons you need to learn along the way about coming out, because guess what? About the time you think you're good there, then you're going to get dumped and then you're going to have to come out of being dumped. And then if that doesn't get you, then you're going to get laid off and then you're going to have to come out of that. And if that doesn't get you, one of these days, somebody's going to rip off all your stuff and you're going to have to come. The beauty of coming out is learning to say, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I'm going to have exactly what I need to do the next thing. And I hope that part of what you're doing is part of what people start to pick up on is this isn't, we often talk about this. This isn't a one and done thing. Coming out is not once and you're done. It's a daily thing. But when you think about life in general, I have a good girlfriend. She's like, I fucking hate Mondays. I'm like, honey, you need to come out of that closet then because there's, you can't get away from Mondays. I don't care if you <laughs> yes. start working a different job and your Monday <laughs> will become a Wednesday, whatever yep. that is, you know, but you need to come out of the closet about that because there's something about that. And I can see it happen to her. I know because I used, I have suffered with that myself. It's like, I can do really good till Sunday. And then about the time Sunday night sets in and it's like getting close to bedtime, I'm like, oh, do I really have to start doing this all over again? And what I learned is I had to come out of that and figure out what that was. And right. Put my finger on it was I need to be energetically excited on Friday nights when I shut down going, wow, I can't wait to start Monday because now I get to pick up. So now I purposely keep a couple of things on the to-do list that I didn't finish because I want to be excited to start them on Monday morning. Right, right, right. Jerking myself off to get through the weekend, so to speak. (laughs) That's how it happens, you know? It's like one of those things where you just go, okay, let's do this. And um, so I hope you realize that there's so much more to what you're doing, Jason, than just 
what you've described. I think you know it intuitively. There's so many things you're showing people how to be themselves, how to take stands, how to go through some of the most trying things. I have clients all the time, newbies out of the closet. I just, I don't think I'll find anybody. Oh, for God's sake, I just want to slap them upside the head. I'm like, well, no, (laughs) you won't. I know, yes. You know, but you've got to step into this. And this is what I think you do in some of these productions that you put together is you show people the real stuff. And yes, the real stuff isn't pretty sometimes. It is going to be rejection. It's going to be, you know, going and finding Mr. Right, Mrs. Right, whatever you want to call it over and over again until that finally happens. But it, right. it, it was beautiful moments. So um, one, and it's, it's, uh, if I can just jump in real quick. No, you I can't. Just want, this is my uh, show. You can't jump <laughs> in. Unless I yeah. Said, yeah. So yes, please jump in. <laughs> yeah. The, um, it, you, you talked about like, there's going to be lots of rejection and, and in this industry, there's a ton of rejection. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that I, had struggled with for a really long time. And I finally found my, it's another kind of coming out thing for me is I was born basically hearing impaired half deaf. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I grew up with a lisp because I don't hear the letter S. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't exist to me. It's in a a pitch and a frequency that like, I don't hear well. I studied with speech therapists for many years and I've gotten it pretty good, but there's, you know, it still shows up every now and then. And it's kind of, I've kind of, uh, I kind of like to think that it's part of my quirks at this point. Mm-hmm. And, but one of the things is, is that because of my hearing impairment, I had always assumed that like, Oh, I'll never do podcasts. I'll never like, I'll never do audio books. I'll never do those kind of things. And suddenly it's like, here I am. I just did my first audio book and I have a, a podcast with one of my best friends, Kevin Held, who is, a phenomenal actor, by the way, if you're out there listening and you're a producer and you have a role for me, you should also have a role for Kevin Held because uh, he is just a joy. Um, but it's like coming out, like you were saying, when you learn how to come out and how it's, you think it's going to be so scary and sometimes it is disappointing or you don't hear the results you wanted to hear right away. And sometimes you do hear the results you wanted to hear and it does give you that that kind of fortitude to be able to jump in and other scary elements like for me being deaf and trying to do an audiobook and having that speech impediment and and still being able to get a clean sound out for people that they can listen to mm, that's amazing i'm so glad you shared that because this is the core of why i do this podcast it is about life uncloseted there right are so many closets Hearing impairment is a closet. Of course. But if you persevere and you figure out how to do it, and, and there, was, there was so much you just wrapped up and you know, I could go, okay, we're going to stop this podcast for now. We're going to start again with a whole new version of <laughs> what it's all about. Because yep. the hearing impairment thing is a closet in and of itself, but because you gave it space. Yes, I know you, you went and got lots of help and everything, but you also, part of the thing is giving yourself permission to say, it's okay that I have this hearing impairment and it isn't going to be the end of my life. It isn't going to stop me from doing what I need to do. Even though those thoughts all obviously went through your head. Of course. Yeah. But when you give yourself permission to say otherwise, this is one of my standard things. Give yourself permission to say otherwise. And people are like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, listen to what I just said. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Because you give yourself permission to say no, or you give yourself permission to say yes. But what about 
giving yourself permission to say otherwise because it isn't all black and white. So go right. find the otherwise in the middle of everything. And that's when everything comes up, beautiful rainbows and unicorns and fabulous. I mean, that's where it all starts to happen. And I think a lot of people miss that piece. So, um, And your podcast is The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason, right? Yes, yes. It happens uh, it's once a week. And basically we talk... We talk about, I, I do a lot of research and I find out about a tragedy that happened in history. Mm-hmm. And then I tell, I, t- I teach Kevin about it. Mm-hmm. And as he's learning about the tragedy, we make fun of things that happened with the tragedy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we make fun of ourselves if the tragedy is a little bit too extreme. I try to go for lighter tragedies. Sure, sure. Um, and then we, when we finish, we find what good came from said tragedy. Because our belief is that even in our darkest hours, something good happens. Yes. And, and you know, you could kind of tie it back to coming out of the closet because for a lot of people coming out is a darkest hour that leads to the ability to breathe because it's that fear of rejection. It's that fear of they're going to hate me and all that stuff. And, and obviously sometimes that happens. You know, I know, I know reality, but, even if initially there's the, the barriers are broken and, and the bridges are burned, you know, I've seen people who they didn't talk to their parents. I've, I've met people who they didn't talk to their parents for years after they came out. And now they have completely functioning, happy, healthy relationships with them. And it was, you know, a different time. Sure. And, and I still am, there's still a small part of me that clutches my pearls when I hear that it took years for them to mend. But, Everyone's okay, for different. Those, for those of you who don't know, that's a very gay phrase about kind of <laughs> Yeah. We just like, we gotta put that out there. But um go go look it up in the gay dictionary, you'll figure out what that means. Yes. And uh you know, because because everything does have some some good that can come from it. Mm-hmm. You know, like losing your job could suck, but maybe it leads you, you know, if you get fired or laid off, maybe it's time for you to pursue that passion job that you've always wanted. And the universe is saying, go for it. You know, exactly. maybe if someone breaks up with you, it's because you really weren't meant to be. And now you're going to meet Mr. Right or Mrs. Right or whomever. Right. Um, and it's, it's always easy saying it when you're not in the middle of a tragedy, but it's, it's, I try to, I try to go through life with that kind of philosophy now because I do have my own set of anxiety in life, obviously. And um, it just helps make it a little easier in that sense where you're kind of like, okay, this is rough right now, but, just yep. breathe. It'll pass. Yeah, it does. It does every time. So, so before we wrap it up here, Jason, um, I would love, I hate it when I do, um, but you know, it's just, okay, folks, that's what happens. Sometimes you just say, <laughs> word, um, okay. Of course. Age in front of thousands. Sometimes I will say, um, so, um, <laughs> I hate it when my, my coaches, my speaking coach, you need to get rid of the ums. Well, you know, um, you, because sometimes it's just a natural thing that happens. Yes. But my question is, what is the thing you feel like through all of this you've learned most about yourself that you could give some, you know, either about yourself or something you'd like to leave the audience with that says, here's what I learned. And it's one of the best lessons I've learned about myself going through many of these things. Okay. Best thing that I've learned about myself is that I am always capable of much more than I believe I am. Mm. Because when I started in this business, I was going to be an actor and I had no, if you had told me at the age of, you know, seven or eight, once I really figured out that I wanted to act, that I was going to be producing films and writing films and writing books and directing, I would have told you you were crazy. 
mm-hmm. especially like that I would be doing a podcast. I would have been like, that's hilarious. I'm just going to be an actor. Thank you very much. That's all I'm capable of. Right. And, um, and so it's the kind of thing where it, it really, uh, each step of the way I figured out, like, I want to keep acting and I want to tell stories about gay people who are just existing I'm going to do it. Why not? And then I started to figure out that I loved it. And it was like, wow, this is challenging, but I can do this. And then I went beyond just writing the script. Then I got to the producing phase and then it's, you know, then it's scheduling, you know, 14 people to come in on one day and and get for 14 days or whatever, how long the shooting schedule is. And that's a challenge in and of itself. And then Mm -hmm. it's getting the edit done. And then it's, there's always like another step. And, there are times when it can feel like you're going up a mountain that never ends. But if you start to look at the view as you're walking up the mountain, mm-hmm. it makes the, the climb, even though it can be tough at times, super fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think if more than anything I've learned is that I can do way more than my instincts allows me to believe. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Because yeah, you were talking when I one of the things I say to my clients a lot of times is, well, here's the deal. There's always going to be another step if you move forward and there's always going to be another step if you go backwards. So what do yep. you want to do? It's very simple. Okay. Yes, you, can step so sideways. you can do the sideways step too, but no matter what, there's a step. Yeah. So the, whatever step you choose is the step that's best for you. And I think so many people miss that. So, um, so I just want to give a shout out. If you love what you heard Jason say, great. If you don't, then we don't like you and go away. Don't ever listen. To <laughs> but um, go check him out. He's got analysis paralysis, his film that just recently appeared at the Palm Springs Film Festival. He's got Out of Body, which is a new film. He's got the Out of Body book and the audio that he just did. Russian Doll, The Perfect Wedding. All this stuff's going to be linked up on the show page. Go check it out. And if you don't, all my little gnomes on the internet will know that you didn't go check it out. And then I will put you <laughs> off for being subscribed to my podcast. So that's the way we do things around here. Not really. <laughs> yes. um, but anyway, I love that we got to connect, Jason. Thank you so much for sharing yourself so beautifully with my audience and bringing some new light on to how to be who you are and going for things and making sure that you realize you just got to do what you're meant to do because you are so much more capable of things than you think you are. So um and you know what? Since it's almost wrapped up, at least tell your husband hi for me and tell him someday we'll have a conversation about absolutely and all that stuff. Um, I know we could probably gnash around a whole bunch of stuff about mother, mother-in-laws and all that and real mothers and all that stuff. Yes, that sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life on Closet it has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life on closet. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life on closet. I'm Rick Clements, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.